You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm Brandon. And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with a cannabis advocate, medical marijuana patient, and business owner. We love to see women in the cannabis industry thriving and making waves, and we're thrilled to tap into her mind and hear her story. So guys, please welcome Amber to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi, Amber. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. So let's start from the beginning. Please tell us where your cannabis journey first began, that first time you ever smoked. What was that like? Oh, man. So the first time I ever smoked ever was in college, and then I didn't smoke again until about five years ago. So uh, my roommate and another girl on my basketball team in college, they both smoked, and they encouraged me to do it with them before we left on a basketball trip for a game. Nice. And it was it was really just a funny experience for me because I didn't really get anything from it that time, um, and which I know is common with your first experience smoking sometimes. Right. So maybe I didn't inhale enough or, or whatever. I don't really know. Um, but they were totally freaking out and laughing at me the whole time, having the best experience with their <laughs> high while I was like, why are you guys doing that? Like, why are you freaking out so much? I'm totally fine. That's hilarious. So it was totally interesting. Um, And because I didn't feel anything from that, and they ended up getting kicked out of school for like a semester for smoking, Uh, I kind of stayed away from it for a while after that. Yeah, I hear you on that. I could feel that. A little bit of PTSD there. (laughs) Right, yeah. So we know everyone has different preferences and routines. What's your go-to way to consume cannabis? And do you have like any rituals that you just can't live without? So... Thank you for asking me that. I have like multiple ways I love to consume cannabis just because um, I need it for so many different things. Um, When I first started consuming five years ago was when I met my wife and she has always consumed. So she kind of has shown me the rope and really transitioned me from drinking alcohol to using cannabis. Nice. So um, that's been super essential for me, Um, especially because a couple of months ago I got diagnosed with lupus. So I've been just like navigating all of that and figuring out what works for me. So I, you know, I will smoke a blunt. I use tinctures every single day. Um, I like to use edibles sometimes. It just depends on kind of what I have going on for the day. Right. Okay. Okay. So we all have things we love to do when we smoke. What was your, what would be your favorite thing to do? Like after you consume just on like a daily basis? Oh, man. I just kind of like to chill with my dogs, to be honest. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) We saw your cute little dogs on Instagram. Uh, I have five little dogs, and even though they drive me nuts most of the time, they make me happy, too. So um, I love to just consume and just chill out with them and play with their toys and hang out. That sounds awesome. I know. I love that. It's always nice to have a little pet when you're really high and just want some (laughs) snuggles. Yeah, just chilling. We'll go get on the swing in the backyard or whatever, whatever they want to do. Heck yeah, I love that. (laughs) So for me, there are certain smells and terpenes that I'm attracted to when I go to purchase cannabis. When you go shop for cannabis, what do you look for? Like what does your nose gravitate towards? I love a lot of those citrus tones. I like things high in linen all 
and limonene. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like that dank smell. So GMOs mm. really like. I love a GMO. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on the time of day or whatever, or what I'm using it for, but a really heavy GMO is, is definitely one of my favorites. I'm smoking on a um, dirty GMO from hollow right now. And I really Ooh, love it. Dirty GMO. That sounds dirty. Right. So, um, Amber, everyone's family is different with like cannabis and we know not everyone is open about their consumption or feel like they can be. What is like your family dynamic like with that? Like, are you open with your use? Are they supportive? Uh, so that's a interesting question for me. So I don't, I'm not really around my family that much anymore. They're all from Kentucky. Um, and in the last couple of years, my, my dad passed away. So uh, he had cancer and I would take trips to Kentucky and bring him things that I would think would help him. Um, and they would try stuff. Him and my mom both would kind of try a few things if I would ask them to. Mm-hmm. But my extended family still kind of, um, you know, cautious of it all. My uncle was a the dare cop when I was in school. Oh, and, okay. Um, so on that side of the family, I have all that. And But on my mom's side of the family, you know, she's from West Virginia and my her brother would always be in trouble for marijuana. So I saw it on both sides. So I always had a fear of it for a long time until mm-hmm. I've more recently gotten, you know, highly educated on it. <laughs> yeah. Where are you calling us from, Amber? I'm calling you from Big C. Off. Awesome. Okay. I just wanted to know, let yeah. anyone else know, Big C in Oklahoma. <laughs> Yeah. So you've seen cannabis and I feel like you've with lupus, I mean, with kind of everything throughout your life, even, even more so the past five years, you've seen cannabis in a little bit more different eyes. So at what point did cannabis become more than just getting high, but more seen as more medicine to you? So thanks for that question again. Um, Probably my first year of smoking cannabis with my wife, I thought of it more of just like getting high and using it as a different alternative to escape from alcohol, mm-hmm. but it was better for me because I didn't wake up hungover and having all the side effects from alcohol. Um, but I still got to chill out and relax my mind, you know, and not have to think about some of those crazy things that we all sometimes have to deal with. Um, so then as my, health diagnosis kind of evolved and my symptoms changed. I started using it differently. Um, my wife started working in the industry for a mint cannabis company um, and they do a lot of medicinal, um, do, do things for more of the medicinal side, not the rec side. So they have tinctures and I started taking RSO at night, um, which helped me sleep so much better. And I could, I started weeding off some of my pharmaceutical meds. Um, so that was, eye-opening to me because I didn't need to take these things that I was prescribed, but this stuff was still helping me. Um, so now I take tinctures during the day. I take RSO at night. I've, I even added CBD-specific stuff to my regimen. Um, CBG is really good for inflammation and it also helps your body absorb THC better. So mm-hmm. I take a CBG tincture specifically also separately. Um, so I just keep trying to learn and evolve what I know to help myself. That's awesome. I feel like that's so important to educate yourself as you're trying to evolve your cannabis journey because you can only go as far as you know and until you know more and what all these other cannabinoids and terpenes can do for you. I feel like you limit yourself so much. And I think that's how my journey's changed just because of my education level. 
with cannabis in the beginning, I, had, I didn't even know what a cannabinoid was or how to say the word. So yeah. um, going we'll from somewhere. that to knowing what the different different terpenes are and how they help you, I mean, that's life-changing. Yeah. So uh, you said RSO and like CBG tinctures have worked for you with like your mm-hmm. lupus with cannabis use. Is there anything else that you've tapped into that um, so has So something you? I use a ton for my lupus. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, you're fine. Uh, I just get excited about it because I just helped someone last night with it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, is mint makes a topical called bougie and it actually has RSO in it and also CBD. Um you put it on anywhere that's aching. Like I have problems with my hands and my feet, and my ankles, and I can put rub that on my hands, and within sixty seconds, my hands feel better. Wow! That's so awesome. um, that product is like amazing to me. Another one I use a lot is Fuego. It's more of an icy hot feel, mm-hmm. so I like to use that one on my neck and my shoulders and stuff when I'm really stiff. But the other one I like on my hands. Um, or if I'm out during the day and I don't want to smell like icy hot, I prefer bougie because it's more of an essential oil smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it smells pretty good. Uh, I literally carry those in my bag all the time. Staple uh, products. The so huh? lady last night. Yeah. A lady last night, she has bad arthritis in her hands. And I let her try my bougie and she's like sold. I love <laughs> she's that. She's like, I need to know where I can buy that close to me. Yes. Um, so, I mean, just like letting someone try it and see for themselves and know that that topical is not going to give them a head high. Right. Um, it's just, it's fun to watch somebody experience it. Yeah, I agree. Like whenever the light, the light bulb comes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, wow, how have yeah. I been missing this? Because that's how I felt too, you know? Right. So, so um, flipping, like I've been deprived. Yeah. <laughs> so flipping <laughs> um, the script just a little bit, Amber, will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, my name's Amber and I am from Kentucky. I moved out here to Oklahoma like with my work. I sell medical devices uh, for my main job, but I also am dabbling in the industry some. Um my wife and I started a company called the Green League, where we do pop-up cornhole tournaments at dispensaries or at other events. Um, we're just trying to help bridge that gap and bring in people who are from the non-cannabis industry and show them that you know smoking cannabis doesn't make us lazy. We can still be athletes and kind of intermingle. And we're, I, I really love it because we're pulling people in. We've already got a couple of people who are interested in getting their medical card now after, you know, following us around and playing cornhole with us. So it's a slow go. We're not going to pull a bunch of people at once to get them their med card. But I love helping break that stigma and show people that cannabis is a whole different world. Yeah. And it's cool that you guys have mixed like sports in a way and cannabis because I feel like that's not really something many people have tapped into. And right. they, they go so hand in hand. Like I can't work out unless I smoke. Like I've, I don't think I've ever worked out without smoking because it just puts me in a whole different headspace where it's right. me in my mind and nobody else is in there. Nothing is occupying my mind except for me. And I find that to be right. very important. And it just helps me like just jumpstart better. My body's ready to go. I'm not like, I don't feel so much, so stiff or agitated. It just, it feels ready and right. I think that it makes puts, sense. yeah, I think it puts your body in that perfect like relaxed state so you're not going in there tense and and then pulling a muscle because you weren't in a nice 
relaxed yeah. when you started. Yeah. And you, it's like you're my, already in a bad position. Yeah. And it's like it, it helps me be more mindful of my mind to body connection. So like as I'm doing lunges, sometimes if my mind and body aren't connected, my mind will do one thing and my body's doing another and I'll like almost fall over. But Absolutely. when I'm like really in the zone, I like to connect my mind and body because I feel like that really does make a huge difference to my end result. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it just really helps your focus. It helps you dial it in, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you go about picking, uh, like, what sport to start and what all sports you currently offer? That's a great question. So um, we originally started with the idea that we were going to do a lot of rec sports. Um, And we started with cornhole just because it's easier to carry around to different places. I don't need a field to play, like, kickball or soccer so I can kind of pop up anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just more accessible. But then I did not realize how popular cornhole is. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone loves it. And there is a huge following behind it. So I honestly, because it's just me and her, don't have, I haven't had the time to add any other sports. So currently we only offer cornhole, but we are on the hunt for a home where we will have our own location instead of going to, I mean, we'll still pop up for people's events, but we want to have a home where people come to us on a daily basis. Um, so we're working on that. And when that happens, we'll be able to add some more sport. Do you guys plan on keeping that in Tulsa? Um, I would love to expand it, but it'll be a slow go, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We are popping up our tournaments. I mean, we welcome anyone to contact us for a tournament. We have one scheduled in Broken Bow in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we will travel. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's a good way to bring the community together. Yeah, speaking. And everyone can play. I mean, we have people on a walker, like a lady that comes. She has a walker, and she plays, and she's awesome. Um, we have kids that come out and play with us. I mean, any, anyone's welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. Cannabis really is like all about community. Do you feel like you've connected with the community in a way that you maybe thought you wouldn't have if you weren't doing what you were doing? Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm, I've grown my circle by so many. I was just looking last night at um, reason the app called Scoreholio to, to post our tournament so people can find us on there. Um, you can see any of our upcoming tournaments on there, and that's how we draw people who are non-cannabis to our tournament. Um, so I was looking at it. We have our own, the green league team on there and we have 28 people who regularly play with us right now. And that's just amazing to me because we've only been doing this since April. Wow. Yeah. That's like a, that's a pretty big like commitment of, that's a good amount of people. I know. But I feel like it's, it's when it comes to cannabis, it's so community already that there, Mm -hmm. and again, it goes right back to, there's not much like athletic or sports integrated with it. And so like the few times we've heard that somebody started like a running club or, you know, something like that, just like yeah. far off or like yoga and smoking or in your instance, you know, uh, cornhole, right, yeah. people flock to it that really like it because I feel like everyone's also looking for a good sense of community and cannabis is already mm-hmm. so communal and it's so, it breaks down those barriers of like the uncomfortable, the judge, you know, all those things that it makes it easier to connect with people. And so to add sports into that, I feel like, that for me, if somebody had something like that in Oklahoma City, I feel like I would be apt to do it because it's just fun and it's something different. We do. We have a good time. Even when people come and they're not that great, I mean, everyone's really welcoming and everyone's very good at teaching. So we'll give you kind of like a little rundown and show you you're welcome to do it how you want, but everybody is always trying to offer tips on how to do something better. 
so you get better. And people catch that bug really quick and they're like, oh, okay, now I do it like this. Um, so it's really fun. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool. So I feel like this is an obvious question, but when people come to your events, is there smoking allowed and how does that work for somebody who's never been to one before? Good question. Um, so obviously if, you have, if you're an OMA card holder, it benefits you more at our tournaments because there is sometimes cannabis up for the prize. Uh, for instance, this Saturday we have a tournament in Owasso at Venus and there's an ounce up for the winning team and a half ounce up for the wow. um, second place team. Mm-hmm. But if you're not an OMA card holder, you wouldn't be able to claim that part of the prize, unfortunately. Right. Um, so it does benefit you to be an OMA card holder, but you don't have to be. We also give up half the pot. So it's $10 per pay- player to play. Mm-hmm. And the more people we get, the bigger the pot. Um, and we give up half of that to the winners and they split it. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So how many people are on a team? There's two people on a team okay. Um, and we always do a blind draw tournament. And the reason we do that is so you're not going to know who your partner is. You can come with a friend, but you won't necessarily be partners, but it could happen. Um, I will categorize people as an A or a B player based on their skill level. Mm-hmm. And that way we try not to pair two really good players together. Um, so they don't kick everybody's butt and take everybody's money every week. You know what I mean? We yeah. want to make it as yeah. fair as possible. That's so cool. I try to categorize people based on their skill level so we can make the teams as fair as possible and make it as fun as we can for everyone. That's cool. You're I like guaranteed how, for... I like the structure. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I like the structure you yeah. guys have. Like it's yeah. not just like um, you go hang and if you want to throw some cornhole, go for it, you know, but it's it's right. just, it's you guys have a method to all of this. Yes. Um, we also have implemented if you if you're winning and you're in the winner's bracket, you play best two out of three. Um, but once you lose and go to the loser's bracket, it's one and done. So you're guaranteed at least four games. But okay. if you're winning, you're going to play a lot more. Yeah, that's um, what that sounds like. Yeah, and it's double elimination. So you do have a chance once you go to the loser's bracket to win your way back up. Oh, cool. Wow. Okay, so tell yeah. me this. What was... Starting something like this, and obviously there's so much structure and logistics that come with it just with like the one sport that you've picked. What was that process like for you and your wife? Like, how do you even like, where do you start on the drawing board with something like that? So I'm pretty lucky because I played with a great group of friends back in Kentucky, um, like an adult rec league sport. And it wasn't ran very well up there. So my buddy, um, him and another guy in our group started their own thing called the league. So he and I talked about it and I was like, I want to do a cannabis thing here. Like your league. Can, can you help me copy this? So I had a mentor who helped walk me through it. So I knew where to start with getting my LLC, getting my EIN number. Mm -hmm. Um, He helped me with finding um, 
where to get my website made. And then through the cornhole circuit here in Oklahoma, I learned even more. I did not know anything about Sportholio prior to this. And they turned me on to that. And um, that makes everything so much easier. Like, I don't even have to draw my own bracket. I put everybody's name in. It'll randomize the players so for me. Cool. It creates the bracket for me. Um, and then we upgraded and paid for the professional version now. So if you download the app, uh, which is free for all of our players to download. You can live score yourself and Ooh. watch everything right there. Oh, wow. um, so it makes it really easy and user-friendly for everyone. And I don't know, just a lot of fun. I like it, is, it. it was difficult to get all started, but, um, you know, we keep learning and evolving as we go. Right. I started with rec boards from Dick's and, you know, a month in, I was told these boards aren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> um, and cornhole boards aren't cheap, you know, yeah. they make them out of, of cabinet grade wood. So uh, we quickly upgraded our boards and then we took our old boards and left them at a few dispensaries that we play out often. So they have them there for, you know, their patients that come in and want to practice or learn so they can come back and play in our tournaments when we show back up. That's awesome. So from like start from the time where you guys got the idea to like the time where you went to your first dispensary, how long was the time frame on that? It was probably about a month. I'd say we started wow. around the 1st of March, and then we had our first tournament in April. Wow, that's fairly quick. I feel like everything just kind of yeah. like snowballed. I didn't have everything in place. Like, our website wasn't finished. And to be honest, I don't really use our website like I should yet. Um, once we have a location, I think I will more. I, I tend to use our Instagram the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I... Just easier. Just, yeah, it's yeah. easier. Um, it's easier to update and all that versus a, a traditional website. Yeah, that's where most um, people are with, at too. With Cornhole though, I also have to make sure I'm on Facebook because a lot of the Cornhole circuit is on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm not as face- well at Facebook, <laughs> well versed at Facebook, so that's a little challenging for myself, but I'm trying to learn it better so I can uh, reach more people. Yeah. So out of every, all of the challenges that you have faced, what would you say has been like the most challenging about starting a rec and sports and cannabis company? Um, honestly, just like getting the word out there about how our whole thing works. Cause it's kind of confusing, you know, yeah. even when I get scheduled at a dispensary and I explain it to them until we come there and they see how our tournaments brand to start. Um, they just don't understand. So a lot of times our first tournament somewhere won't be that great of a turnout because they just don't understand it until they see it. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's better in person. And then they're like, mm-hmm. right. And then they feel bad because they're like, oh, I, we could have done this and it would have been better. I'm like, well, we'll we will come back. It's not, you know, I'm never like turned off by a, a low turnout on the first time because sometimes it just, it does take seeing it to understand and then people are like, oh, I want to play. That looks fun. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's awesome. I feel like it, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like Tulsa has a lot more like community type events and they're more active than I feel like Oklahoma City is. I mean, we have, we have events yeah. that are consistent, but like in regards to things like that, when it comes to like, you know, everyone playing something together or like going to a bar and smoking together and that's where the meetup is like, or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like there's just a little bit more in regards to like deeper community in Tulsa than there is in Oklahoma city. Yeah. Different markets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is just a little bit different. I'm not in the city a ton, but I do come up there because I service those hospitals. And um, it's just a different vibe in the city versus Tulsa. I don't know what it is. It, it is 100%. I feel like Tulsa reminds me a little <laughs> bit more of Austin. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, and right. Oklahoma City is just different than that. Like the culture is so different too. The people are not, not that the people are different because they're still Oklahomans, but like I right. feel like they're a little different yeah, and I not mean, different yeah. in a bad way at all. Just different in that they're more mindful of like the things that they're putting in their body and, you know, like what's around them. And I don't know, you know, just a little I bit agree. different. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. So for someone listening who may want to get into the industry but unsure how or maybe a little scared to take the plunge, what advice would you pass along that you wish someone maybe would have told you? Um, honestly, to be skeptical of everything yeah. <laughs> and do your own research. Question always. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. <laughs> um, just, uh, you know, I it's, it's a tough industry. I wish it was different than it is. And I hope that it evolves and, uh, into a better place, but, um, it is what it is. And I think you just have to keep everything at 10 feet until you have time to take a deeper dive and feel comfortable getting closer to something. Um, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in my opinion. And I just think you have to be careful. Um, be careful who you trust and make sure you stay true to your own beliefs and morals when it comes to stuff. Yeah. Um, and don't let people influence you. Uh, make sure you're doing the right thing. That's great yeah, advice. That is. Thank you for sharing being that. So, you're welcome. And we're being a woman in a male-dominated industry and starting a business around sports, which is also kind of male-dominated, has there been any yeah. hurdles like, or challenges that you've had to overcome kind of with that specifically? I think my biggest hurdle or challenge is just like silencing those voices that come at me with their own ideas or opinions about how I should run my business. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, Being able to have an open mind to their suggestions, but uh, to also stay true to what I want to do with the business and not evolve it in a way that's not uh, aligning with what I want. Yeah. That's very important, especially when you created the vision for your business and then trusting your gut to continue forward with the vision that you started with. Yeah. I mean, I want to be inclusive for everyone. Mm -hmm. I want your grandma to come play or your kids. So um, I want to make sure everyone's really nice and welcoming. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're not, I don't really want to invite them back to my tournament. So um, we're here to be inclusive and to help grow the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our whole motto is, you know, community versus, uh, I'm sorry, building community around cannabis and competition. Yeah. Um, there's no reason we still can't be friends at the end of the day. Of course, we're all competitive, but we're all here to learn and get better. A hundred percent. I love that perspective. Perspective is everything. Exactly. <laughs> so do you guys on plan, do you guys plan on adding any other sports into the mix? What's your long-term vision and where do you hope to see your company grow? Um, good question. I do hope to add more sports. But we're focused on cornhole. Um, my wife and I both are loving the sport. Um, there's so much to it that I didn't know. Um, the bags even. Like, the bags don't have corn in them anymore. They have, like, a polyfill. They have different fabrics. They have different speeds on each side. There's so much to learn. Wow. Um, so I love just, like, immersing myself deeper in this kind of world. And I, but my idea is to have my own location where I have multiple teams play out of it. 
where we can host big tournaments and we can have coaching clinics for kids and adults alike who want to learn and get better at the game. Um, be able to hold cool events, have, you know, education involved. There's a local bag maker that we've partnered with, you know. Um, So we just want to keep things local and just grow the community and also while educating about cannabis at the same time and showing, you know, that it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I like what you guys are doing. Yeah, that is awesome. So we like to ask everyone um, this question, Amber, but what's a stigma revolving cannabis that you would like to see changed? My, that cannabis makes you lazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's our goal. Because, yeah. you know, if you play sports, you're not lazy. To be a pro cornhole player, you need to play, you know, four to six hours a day. Yeah. And so that's definitely not a lazy person right there. Right. Um, and, a, and a lot of us cornhole players enjoy cannabis. So, um as well as other sports alike, a lot of athletes enjoy cannabis for the benefits they get from it. So um, we're not lazy. And I think that that is a huge stigma. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That that's, I feel like that's, that's going to be a stigma that I feel like will, we hope to see change sooner than later, but I feel like as more people, especially a lot of business people are coming out saying that, you know, they consume cannabis every day as medicine and, or during meditation or, you know, for whatever purpose, I feel like it, that stigma slowly is going to fade away more and more. And I mean, yeah, because it's to be proven. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And when you Mm -hmm. see your favorite, you know, like entrepreneur smoking cannabis and you're like, oh shit, if he can do it, then, you know, I can type thing. Like, exactly. It it just hits a little different. People are being open about talking about their cannabis consumption. Yes, absolutely. It's so important. It helps break that stigma. For sure. Well, Amber, I think this wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yes, guys, be sure to go follow the Green League if you're interested in getting involved as a sponsor or a team at the Green League LLC on Instagram. Thank you so much for that. Yes. And Amber, thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode. So stay tuned for next week's. And as always, um, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.